Support for Small Joys comes from the Columbus Foundation, celebrating the creativity that inspires and strengthens the Central Ohio community every day. More at columbusfoundation.org. WSU Public Media, this is Small Joys. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, and this is the final episode of the season for Small Joys, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to take this journey together. Today we have music producer Angel Lopez on the show, and while Angel himself might not be a household name, he has worked with some of the biggest artists making music today. Coldplay, Justin Timberlake, Kanye West, and Mariah Carey, just to name a few. He is a Grammy Award winner, and if you don't yet know him, you certainly will soon. He began making music while growing up here in Central Ohio and was later discovered by legendary hip-hop producer Timbaland on Instagram. I began our conversation by asking Angel about the early days, creating beats in a makeshift home studio. I'm most hyped on this kind of story of you growing up on the west side and uh, making beats in a closet studio, mostly because I'm interested in how you outfitted or created the closet studio. As someone who, when I was a kid, used to mess around with beats in my room, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how you even got to like, what do, do, was it soundproofed? Man, not really, because before that, so before the Galloway story of being in, in our one bedroom apartment and you know turning our, our laundry closet into a makeshift studio, I was, uh, and this is like in 2000, I was still in high school when I first started really rigging around music. I remember being in Willow Bend, which is in Hilliard, off Hilliard, Rome, off Renner Road, actually, right behind Meyer, this little community. And I had this little setup there and I actually created a sound booth. I went to, to Home Depot and bought these like, not soundproof, but they're like these panels of foam. And I made my own makeshift uh, sound booth. And, you know, I was just trying, man. I had my mom's computer. It was a uh, dang, what were those called? The the PC uh, Q. I forgot what it was. Compact Q. I forgot what it was, but it was a Windows PC that I ended up breaking from adding all sorts of cracked plugins. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I thought of that back then. It was more of like I like music, and I realized I have a talent, you know, playing guitar, and I know how to put sounds together to make a track. And it was more of like, let me just you know, have fun with this and see what happens. It's kind of like poking the box and seeing what pops out. What were you listening to, like, producer-wise growing up? Were you, uh, what kind of producers had a sound you were trying to latch on to? Well, see, that's the funny thing, man. It's like, I always tell this story, and I think I think this is the reason why I might have stood out to Timbaland when he, you know, when he found me on Instagram, that I had a different sound because my influences were different, man. I'm Mexican-American, so... Mm -hmm. A lot of like I learned English and like when I got to Ohio, it's really when I started brushing up on English when I was around nine years old, nine, ten years old. Um, so it was all Mexican music. It was all Latin yeah. music. Like my mom's, you know, she sang in a cover band where they did a lot of classic uh, Whitney Houston and just classic records. But I was never really like entertained by it because I was just it was Latin music. It was Latin rock and the cleaning music my mom would put, which was like ranchero music, you know, which is fol Mexican folkloric music. Um, so I didn't really get exposed to like 
hip hop and R and B like that until later on. I mean, definitely when I got to Ohio, one of my best friends, um, at the time, his name is Antonio Jeremiah. He, um, he went to school with me and that's when I got exposed to the producing. Cause I remember going over to his house and he had the fate of black DVD on and there's this oh, clip, yeah. famous clip where Tim is in the studio. And he hears, he hears brush your, he, Jake plays uh, brush your shoulders off for Jay-Z yeah, for the first time. Whole yeah. clip, and it was like, Man, I'd ask him to just play that clip over and over, the whole segment of Tim playing that. And it was just like, yo, those beats, you know? And then I started realizing like, oh, that's the same guy that did Aaliyah songs. And I was already liking some of the Aaliyah stuff. Um, and I just, and then Missy, and like, I just started piecing it all together in my head. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. This guy is like, that's the guy I need to, you know, I need to make beats like that. Because I was already starting to make music that was like it's chicano r&b if you will so it's like mexican-american music which was like i don't even know how to describe it it's like oldie music with rap beats or something you know so i already had this little sound going but then when i saw that timbaland clip i'm like yo this guy is adding you know arab instrumentation yeah. indian instrumentation yeah. like this world music and i connected with that so um that's when i really started to like you know, listen to Timbaland as a producer and then Dr. Dre. And, you know, I remember Dr. Dre was one of the first hip hop records that I heard, you know, the chronic, like those are like monumental <laughs> things of like when, you know, when you come to a, to a cross and you're just like, Whoa, what is this? You kind of get shook. And that that is some of the music that I feel shaped me, you know, next to Carlos Santana. Cause that's why I picked up the guitar. So it's like a bunch of different stuff, man. But, producer wise you know when i stumbled upon that clip thanks to my friend antonio um that's you know that's where it went man how do you get what so i'm, I'm so interested in the fact that you got in a way discovered on instagram or at least tim reached out to you via instagram were you kind of angling for that were you like tagging him and stuff or did he just i just I mean, I, i'm mostly thinking that the way that people get found the way people get their work found is so different than it was when i was young right and I'm absolutely it's still changing it's and it's like still changing it's still i think evolving a bit uh, oh, yeah. so how do you like slip through that how do you get you know how did that work for you i mean it was it was a matter of of i didn't even post music like that and yeah. i have to credit my my girlfriend at the time my wife now who well, my fiance at the time, actually, and my wife, who's my wife now. And she, I remember her tagging Timbaland and it was like real late at night. And Tim didn't even have that many followers then. It was almost like not even 200,000 followers, maybe 120,000 followers. So, you know, it's a little bit easier to get the attention that way. And I feel like Tim was in hibernation mode, just looking for talent, looking for a sound to, to spark him, you know, to inspire him as well. Cause a lot of people think like these cats that are up there, like they don't lack inspiration. Like nah, they run into the, into the creative ruts where they have to dig from peers. And I mean, Drake mentioned it the other day, artists of the decade, you know, thank you to my peers um, for creating music and, and, and kind of telling me where to go. And it's that same type of thing. I feel like he was looking for that. And just this one night, you know, wife tags a video that I happened to post of a beat and I got a DM and it was like, yo, send some more. So it, you know, it was, I think it was just like that time opportunity preparation of all the other years. And then just, it was a precise time to get him in the right headspace because 
man, I get submissions all the time. And sometimes I'm not in the right headspace mm-hmm. and I might just not blow it off, but just like, it won't catch me, but I'll go back and listen to it another day or someone resends it. And I'm like, yo, what is this? How'd I miss this? So there's a lot of, I don't want to call it luck. I feel like it's divine timing, you know, right, I feel like, there's right. an, like, like God's an orchestrator, at least for my story. And it was a divine timing of the right time for him to hear it. Um, and to even want to reach out and him being in the right headspace that that really did it. But you're right. I mean, nowadays you could really get a hold of anybody, man. I mean, we're building a platform called B Club precisely for that to take the doors down and give people access to the top producers like Timbaland um, and anybody else, you know, that you could think of um, because of technology allowing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, back then you had to like take a beat tape to a manager or like a CD, burn a CD with your beats. And like, it's so much different now, man. How do you stay in tune to how sounds are changing and all that? Because I, I feel like a part of staying on top of your game has to also be staying on top of the kind of always shifting sonic landscape you're working in. So how do you how do you do that? I mean, how are you kind of, um, you know, how are you staying on top of things? Are you, do you listen I mean, a lot or do you, do you take I, some, you know, do, when people send you stuff, are you kind of always putting your ear on it? I, I always listen, you know, um, and sometimes stuff catches me more than others. And sometimes I don't get caught at all because I get a lot of the same sounding stuff and nothing is groundbreaking. And it's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing of like searching for that, you know, what's going to light a fire under you, you know, that's going to get you to say, oh, I got to go this way a little bit. Oh, I got to go that way. Um it's one of those things, man. It's it's almost like I don't look. It, it's not a race, right? But but just in just to put it into like a visual, it's like when the when, when the horses have the blinders, it's like I'm not looking next to me to see oh what's the sound or what's that. I'm just going by what feels good, you know. And and yeah, I pay attention to certain techniques and production and certain things and arrangements, but I'm not always looking at at that to say, oh, that's where we have to go with. I think it's a matter of poking the box. You know, I feel like, you know, let's talk about Timbaland doing that. Like when he started producing, he started using pots and pans and, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. It was almost like, oh, that feels good. Like, that's what I have to do, you know? And I just let the feeling kind of lead the way for me more than just uh, searching for something from people or, or seeing. It's always amazing. It's always inspiring. I feel like there's growth in listening to a lot of music and a lot of submissions. Um, and sometimes they turn into amazing collaborations when I feel, you know, things align. Um, but that's really it, man. Just letting the feeling of music lead the way. This is a kind of a selfish curiosity question, but how did it feel to, to win the Grammy to, to get, and are you one of those people? And so I've, I've interviewed a couple musicians who just kind of keep the Grammys like wherever you know, Rick Rubin notoriously like keeps them in the bathroom, you know, and like there are folks who just keep them, you know, they have them in the house, but they're, they're, they're barely, they're barely decorative. Do you have yours like posted up where everybody can see it? You know what Man, I mean? You... I'll be real with you. I'm actually waiting for it. I should get it this week or next week. So I'm not sure where it is my first one. And I do think about it as a special, um, as a special one, because First of all, I never, you know, I, I see that a lot of kids nowadays, it's like, oh, I'm going to get a Grammy one day. I'm da 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 And all these posts of, um, what is it called? Like, um, dang, I lost the word. When you, when you, not affirmation, when you're, when you're claiming something, you know, they want to claim it. And it's like, oh, yeah. 
you're, yeah. you're claiming like a byproduct, man. Like, don't claim that, you know, claim love for the music, claim, right. you know, finding new music and being inspired to inspire the world. Like, and that's the thing that, because I never had that as a, oh, my goal is to one day win a Grammy. You know, that's what I want to do. That's the the upper. I see it as a great reward, um, but it, it isn't something I always went like, yeah, I got to get that. You know, I, I, I was driving by Calabasas with my wife a couple weeks back and we passed by the exit where I was going every day with with my production partner, Fede, and, and working on this Kanye West album daily, you know, at his house with him. And it's it's those like remind it was just like a reminder of like, man, that's amazing. Like we. That hard work, you know, that long drive, those long hours, the going back home and all that paid off because it got recognized. And it's nice. You know, a lot of people say, man, the Grammys ain't nothing anymore, blah, blah, blah. But hey, man, you know, to me, it's 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 um, it's great recognition. And I plan on putting the, you know, putting it somewhere nice, maybe on top of my speaker to just remind me of like, hey, man, you did this, you know, whether yeah. you get another one in your career, hopefully. But whether I get it or not, that's not why I do music. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just a great reminder of like, hey, good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's I mean, I feel you on that, and I'm you know, congrats on that, by the way. But thank um, you, man. Yeah, I feel like anyone I talk to who's won a Grammy kind of has that same vibe of, you know, I wasn't expecting this or kind of gunning for it, and I didn't kind of uh, set my intentions around winning a Grammy, but it's here now, uh, right? And so you know. Congrats nonetheless. But are you, um, I'm thinking a lot about the music industry, like largely, which I think COVID has affected the music industry in a pretty intense way, though. Maybe not so much on your end, uh, or though maybe it has, because you're not, you know, like you, I feel like you're not going out in the world and performing as much. But how have you kind of adapted to the nature of working inside in a way? I mean, did you already have a home studio kind of set up or did you have to build a home studio or did you have a studio that you, you know, like what's, what's been the vibe with COVID and how you've had to navigate it? Yeah. I mean, I've had my home studio and I mean, we're producers are naturally just like people who stay inside a room making music regardless. Right. Like, yeah, it's nice when you get to go outside and take a guitar and write music outside. But for the most part, like we're used to it. Um, what I did miss in the very beginning, like I remember right before literally like the day that they announced the shutdown, it was the last session that I had, and it was myself, Fede, and, and the artist, Rosalia. Um, and that was, like, the last session we had until, like, a while. I, I believe until October, until I started working with Justin Timberlake in person, you know. So it was very weird of not being able to be in the room with an artist and my colleagues to create music because it is different. You know, when you're in the room, there's a there's a certain energy that you catch. I'm not saying that without it, you know, we didn't make it work. We made some amazing music via Zoom and all these tools that ended up emerging out of COVID, um, which I think is great because I think it challenged not only our industry, but the world to make it work, you know? And I think we showed again that, hey, we're able to face things like this and, and adversities and we're able to take them and, and run with them as, you know, as human beings and we're able to say, Hey, we're going to make this work one way or another. Um, but yeah, it affected a little bit. It was different, man. Like making music is a very intimate process. And, you know, whether you're making a track with a producer or with a producer and an artist, like it's an intimate process. It's an exchange of energy. And it is hard to translate that energy through a zoom, 
call, you know, is there's yeah. nothing like being in the room and you're in the same room playing the same, you know, different instruments. And there's just something, there's like this something in the air sometimes, man, that you lack in, in this new way. And, you know, as we're going back to normal, it's like, I remember some of the first sessions I started doing, like, man, I miss this, you know, like the first session we had, you know, with JT, we had the whole crew there, man, like our whole team. And it was like, the first day, I it was just magical, man. I was like, yo, this is like a big family reunion. This is amazing. Like, we're in our natural habitat with the people we love working with, super talented people. And it was just like this huge, like, celebration because we missed that. It's the lack of interaction, you know? Um, yeah, we're introverts. Yeah, we stay cooking in the lab, whatever. But there is something special about being able to create in the same room. Yeah, I think about that introverted nature because I think as writers, it's similar where the work of the work feels very introverted and private. But when it's kind of this forced introversion, or when there's kind of this forced thing where we're not able to kind of see each other or see the world or touch grass or whatever, um, I think it like at least for me, it's it's challenged the creative process. Do you? Are you someone who, when you're creating things or when you're thinking about music, you listen to other music or do you need silence to build uh, the kind of world, musical world you want to live in? Or, or how are you, how are you operating in the, in the creative process? Do you need sound to carry you towards other sound? I mean, it depends, man. It depends on the intent. Sometimes I like creating without like thinking of stuff, but sometimes, you know, artists have certain ideas in their head like oh this is what i want i need a song like this in my project or i need blah blah and you know i i i'll listen to all sorts of different music i go back to my roots a lot you know i'll go listen to like this latin rock band named mana mm -hmm. incredible lyricists in the music and i just think about their chord progressions and arrangements and i see like how can i translate that you know, but it's it's like a subconscious decision because it's not like I'm sitting or listening, analyzing, because then it's then I'm trying to formulate something. And that's not how you do it. I'm just subconsciously gaining stuff as I'm traveling through Yosemite with my wife um, or we're on the boat on Bass Lake, you know, listening to music. And it's almost like bringing that back into the room and translating that feeling and that without pressure, really. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I will listen to something. Sometimes I'm like, you know, lacking inspiration. I'm going to go through a YouTube playlist of old uh, Brazilian bossa nova music, you know, and let me see what I could dig up in there. Let me find some new chord progression. So I think it really depends, man. Um, it's, it's really hard to formulate that, though. I think you just have to show up and create and, and you know, just show up and create, man. What are some things you've been doing, particularly in the past year and a half, but always outside of music to kind of bring you some joy and some pleasure? Like when you're um, when you're maybe stuck or not creating as you'd hope to or just in general to get out of the house and, and feel, uh, you know, feel something other than your work. As cause I'm, I think what I'm thinking is as much as I love my work and as much as I know people who love their work, there's that we got to cultivate the parts of ourselves that, you know, bring us joy and, and fullness outside of our work. So I'm wondering what you're doing. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's crucial, man. And that's something that I like. It, it's, you know, when you're in this music industry and you're in this jungle, you know, called LA, it's like you constantly have that little voice trying to pull you to work and, and taking you, you know, almost like 
it could turn gray sometimes, you know, this art, and you could easily forget like why you do music. And all of a sudden you just feel like you got to work, work, work and go. And then it becomes not a source of joy. So, you know, my source of joy is my best friend, who's my wife. And we have a little dog now that we got last year. And like, that's really the true, that's when I feel like myself the most, you know, like, yeah, when I'm making music, I, I love it. Um, but for example, this last, you know, the last five days where we were up north, it was like, I, it was amazing, man. There's like very little reception. I wasn't really doing work stuff. I was like catching up baseball and then being on the lake with wife. We went on hikes, which I really like. Um, this year I started working out and I haven't in like a month right now, <laughs> um, but I started working out. Actually, Brandon Oshadin, who's from Columbus, he's an amazing trainer. He got me on uh, one of his programs and, you know, he checks in with me and everything. And, um, and that's really what I started, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that now. I had caught COVID, man, and I couldn't even get up to walk without panting. Like I was struggling for air. So just those little things, man, going on, a, on, on car rides with, with our little pup and, you know, taking the freeway down the coast and just little things like that, man, that really brings me joy and just seeing, um, knowing that my wife is healthy and happy and I'm happy and healthy and, you know, like that's really the 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 thing outside of it. And obviously, you know, I'll play video games. I'll play like MLB The Show, Call of Duty. Sometimes it's like uh, the time with friends. Yeah. You know, that's like the only connection with friends back home in Columbus is like, yo, let's hop on, you know, on Warzone. Let's get on there. Let's get on Rocket League, whatever. So that's um, been, yo, I just, I get, it's funny because I'm not a big baseball fan, but I play, I play this show every year. Uh, oh, it's fun. The I'm, show I'm a big is like my game. I'm a big baseball fan. So that's another thing that I recently found. It's like as soon as baseball was allowed back in, oh, man, it's been therapeutic. Yeah. You know, with wife, she actually now she understands the game. So it's even funner now for her. But on some days I'll go sit by myself in the park and I'll take my glove and sit in the outfield. And it's like those little things to me, it's almost like peace. And I'm able to shut everything off and just like center in on on the game, you know, and I'm a Dodgers fan and we're champs this year. So um, yeah. that's also been another thing that's, that's really brought joy, man. And, you know, I play softball in this open adult league and just little things like that, man, that I really, really enjoy outside of music, you know? It's funny. Cause the show, I think what always gets me about it is that MLB the show, if you play like the, I only, I usually only play road to the show and you could play because if you like depend on the position you have, you know, I usually play as a shortstop and then, you know, you can get through a game in like five minutes or less. And I I haven't played that yet. I, yeah. I that. So there's, you know, I call him my nephew, Derek. Um, I met him during quarantine. He was out there playing alone in the park. And I'm like, yo, I'll throw the ball with you. And then we just became buddies. I, it's almost like a big brother, uh, little brother program. Because all my nephews, you know, they're in, in Ohio, you know, and my other nephews are in like San Diego, like super far. So he got me, he told me, he's like, yo. I remember I asked him, like, you have the show. It was the show 20 or whatever, and I ended up buying it for him. I'm like, yo, I'll hook you up, whatever. Let's just – the only condition is you got to play against me. <laughs> so Little Boy is nuts on the game, man. And he actually told me about Diamond Dynasty, and that's what I've been doing. He's like, you got to collect these cards and build your squad. But I had to check out Road to the Show for sure, man. It's so quick. Like, you only play what whatever your position shows up, whatever your position, like, has a – no more, bro. I'm in, <laughs> I'm a- you know? And that's why, because I I feel you, especially I I feel like young, young folks are so much better at video games than I am now, which is wild because I used to be great. But 
I always play NBA 2K and I always hop on with my homies and, you know, we run, we run some games against people who are usually younger than us and we get blown out every time. And it's one of those things where it's like, the fun is not even in winning. It's mostly just kind of in that thing you were talking about where you get to kind of be with your friends doing a thing, but it has made me aware uh, of how old I am when I realize I can't really keep up. On, I can't keep <laughs> up on the sticks like I used to. Kids have cheat codes though, man. They, That's they true. Crazy yeah. stuff. I man, I actually, it's funny because when I got the PS5, the first game I got was NBA, and I had never, I've never been a 2K player. And I mean, man, it was a lonely day at the court. Like you know that that mode where you could get on and you kind of yeah. just do pickup. Man, yeah. I'd sit there, and then people would walk away, like because I was still wearing <laughs> the, the stock. Oh uh, yeah, you got to upgrade. You got to upgrade. The- oh man, it was it, it's been rough with that game. So I'm like, you know, I I suck at it. I honestly do. You know, even though I grew up playing basketball in in Ohio, you know, yeah, um, and I loved it, but I just, man, it's hard. Like these these kids are crazy with it. What kind of uh, or how old is your dog? First of all, he is a year and like two three months. He's a French bulldog, man. He's cool. Name's Louis. Is he? Uh, I feel like so many people I know got dogs during the pandemic, and the dogs have. Uh, began to like cling to the people and 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 it's been a really beautiful uh way that I, i've seen my friends kind of grow with the pets they have is this kind of that situation where you got the dog and now you and the dog are inseparable oh man it's crazy like the love we have for this little creature is like it's insane man like in the beginning it was rough because man so we live in a building and you you know you have to take the elevator or take the stairs to take him out man we were taking him out every two hours literally around the clock like not even okay we're gonna take a nap like we were just trying to get early on you know him pooping and peeing outside so it was one of those things of like it was like two months of no sleep um i feel like we were getting a preview of when we you know when we have kids in a way and then it was frustrating and and he still frustrates us you know but man like now we're inseparable like you said it's like we were out in the in the lake yesterday and and Louie got to paddleboard with my wife you know she took him on a like a one mile and a half thing on the paddleboard and he had his little uh life vest and everything so it's been cool man i feel like it's it's really helped us during the pandemic as well to just like i mean there's never a dull moment man these these little frenchies are characters bro like they make the funniest faces yeah. they it's so funny, man. It really, and I'm sure other other dog breeds are the same. You know, having a little creature to care for, it is what it is. But with Frenchies, I feel like it's it's never a dull moment, man. They're hilarious. Lastly, the big question, I, because I'm such a big music fan, of course, I'm I'm interested in what you're working on. That I know some stuff you probably can't talk about, but if there's anything you're working on that you could talk about, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, so you know, the cat's been out the bag that that we've been working on with, with Justin. Yeah. Um, and that's exciting because we're, we're just having a good time. He's an incredible artist who's welcomed us, you know, into the creative space. To me, it's just a privilege to be in the room. I mean, back in 2016, when I got to be in the same room as him and Tim and just witnessing that brotherhood, you know, outside of the studio and inside the studio, it was just magical, man, and so inspiring. So to be in the room this time um, as a as a requested tastemaker if you will you know it's actually pretty cool man because he really is an incredible artist and i see why he's such an iconic artist um 
And it's been, we've just been having fun, man. And I think that that's when you make the best music, when you just have fun and, and, and you have, you know, good people around you. So that's something I'm definitely excited about. Um, and also with my boy, Jack Harlow, he's a, we worked earlier this year and we just clicked. He texted me. He's like, yo, just pull up. And, and ever since he's hit me up a few times and, and I think it's a Midwest thing. Like we have a yeah. lot in common, you know, yeah. he's from yeah. Louisville, I'm Columbus, Ohio. And then we were into the same things. Like I, last week he posted me on his page cause I showed up to the studio with a Jersey. I made a bet with him. Um, cause he's a huge soccer fan. He's a huge Chelsea fan. And we made a bet. I had texted him. I was in the studio. I'm like, yo, very quick before the game begins, let's let's place a bet. Um, if Madrid wins, you have to get me a jersey with my name. And then if Chelsea wins, you know, I got you. And anyway, he ended up winning. So I got him his jersey. But, you know, we just share a lot in common. And that's always fun and exciting to work with him, man. We have a great time. He's such a great dude. And he's so talented, man. It's really, yeah. like, mind-boggling how talented that, that dude is. I actually... Um, I actually know he's a Chelsea fan or found out he's a Chelsea fan today before we talked because I just listened to uh, he's on that Tyon Wayne remix and he, he mentions Christian Pulisic on it. That remix I just dropped like yeah. yesterday. And yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I was like, Oh, I wonder if he actually is a Chelsea fan or if he just kind of like, yeah, he's, he's all the way there, man. He's yeah. all the way there. Him and him and Irv is his, one of his good friends and the uh, photographers. They're like, they're the real deal, man. So, um, and I love how he does that, how he includes, you know, it, that's the thing, man, like his bars, he's like, I mean, you know, we b- baptize him as Barlow because <laughs> he just <laughs> has bars, man. And he really brings like his life into it and, and bring some of the some of the bars, you know, that have to do with sports. I mean, he did the whole Tyler Harrell song, like all of that is it's always amazing to see, man. And, you know, and I feel like they, you know, the, the fans enjoy it and then the, the people themselves enjoy it. You know, and he's homies, you know, with Polisic and all that. So I think it's pretty dope, man. Um, he's a great artist. That's something I'm super excited about because the music's been great. And, um, bro, he's so talented, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Angel Lopez, thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to whatever you got coming down the road. Hey, man, the pleasure's mine. end of every episode i take some time to talk about one of my small joys and i suppose that one of them recently is that i have now a little fire pit and i guess that summer is maybe not the ideal time to get a fire pit but i'm somebody likes a summer night i mean not lately it's been a bit too humid and thick and sticky to be outside anytime for me particularly at night but I enjoy a cool summer night and I enjoy that summer night kind of being decorated by the warmth of a fire. And uh, I didn't grow up going to camps much or these type of things. I didn't grow up around campfires, which means I didn't grow up eating s'mores. I had never had one. I had never experienced one. I knew what they were, of course, because I, you know, uh, am alive and immersed in culture. But I'd, I'd never actually eaten one. And so I, uh, about a week and a half ago, made my first s'more. Uh, I made like a couple varieties of them. I also, it must be said, uh, don't eat nearly as much sugar as I used to, not for any reason other than the fact that I'm just like getting older. Uh, 
And so this, this was a jarring shock to the system. But I tried one with Andy's Thin Mints first because someone on the internet told me that that was a good way to go. And then I tried the more traditional format of one with like a Hershey bar. And that was also uh, great. And that's something that I think I'll be returning to often. Um, messier than I would like. A little bit more intense sugar-wise than I would like with my desserts. But it was a real pleasure to kind of sit on a somewhat cool summer night and uh, try something new that many people I love had experienced and described to me in great detail, but that I have not experienced yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to giving them a couple more shots. And as we go into fall, which is peak fire pit weather, perhaps, uh, I'm really looking forward to getting more use out of that, both the s'more and the warmth of the fire. This is the last episode of Small Joys. This has been a lot of fun. You know, so much of my work and investment revolves around just having conversations with people, people who I'm interested in, people who are doing more interesting work than I am, people who are inspiring my work, and people who live in the same city that I do or from the same city that I am, and getting their insights on how they see the city, how they create in the city, how they feel at home and make themselves feel at home, which felt... Uh, especially pertinent now in a moment where home is what so many of us have known and all that we've known for the past several months. Uh, and so this was a real pleasure. I'm thankful to WSU for pursuing this. It was a long time coming and we had to kind of get over a lot of scheduling hurdles. And I'm thankful for everyone I talked to, some are friends and some are new friends. And I'm so thankful for everyone who listened and found these conversations fruitful. If you live in the city, I hope to see you out and about and around. Uh, if not, I hope we can cross paths sometime when going outside is a little bit more comfortable for all of us. Please take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Be good to others when you can. Be good to yourself always. Small Joys is a production of WOSU Public Media. This show is produced and edited by Michael DeBonis, sound engineering by Eric French, Ryan Ailes designed the logo. Nick Hauser is the chief content director of digital media. Special thanks to Leticia Wiggins for editorial support. I want to thank Angel Lopez and all the guests we've had this season for joining us, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.